The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for a show they make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasuries than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. This is the gospel of the Lord. You know, I, as we heard the gospel this morning in that story of the widow's might, I'm sure many of you thought, oh boy, it's going to be a sermon that has to do with giving. I say that because I've heard that sermon used and preached for that. After all, I've heard people say, you know, all we need to do is just sacrifice like that widow sacrifice. Didn't Jesus say that she put in more than all the others through her sacrifice? Didn't he say that she put in everything, everything that she had to live on? And maybe we could launch on a sermon that says, well, you know, all it takes is this everyone does their part, motivated by love, sacrificing like this widow, great things could really happen. But here's the truth. That section of Scripture really isn't about giving. That's extracting it out of its context. And I want to put it back into its context so that we can see what it is that Jesus is really trying to tell his disciples and us. The passage really is about failure. Failure of an institution, of leadership, and the people that ran it, who are no longer doing what God had commanded them to do. Hear the beginning once again of that passage where Jesus talks about the Pharisees. He says this, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Now understand this, before Jesus says that, before this section of Scripture, Jesus has gone to the temple and has cleansed it of the money changers, has denounced its greed and its corruption. So Jesus isn't sitting there today opposite the temple treasury evaluating the offerings that are given. That's not his point. He's watching to see where the heart of the leadership truly is. You see, this institution that God had created, this temple that he allowed to be built for a place to come and worship, this leadership that was put in place by him was supposed to be a leadership that cared for widows and orphans and the destitute. And it isn't 
doing that. In fact, it has come to the point where it has marginalized that widow. As Jesus said, these people devour widows' houses. She no longer matters to the leaders. That's how unimportant she is. And what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples is this. That gift that she gave, it matters. It matters because she matters. You see, the system that was supposed to help her as a widow, how God had commanded again and again that he was the defender of the homeless and the widow, was supposed to have cared for her, but it was full of greed and corruption. And it was no longer of any use. I say that because immediately following this section, Jesus launches in on the destruction of the temple. The result of what happens when something is no longer of use to God. How often did God remind his people to be imitators of him? That he was a father to those who were homeless. That he was one who did care. But they had failed. They had failed to care for the needy. They had failed to realize that people mattered. They had failed to grant access to those who wanted to worship God. And they had failed in their sacrifices and in their offerings. You know, that system that God put in place for his people, that system of sacrifice where blood was shed to take away that sin, had stopped being useful in the temple because it no longer did the primary thing that it was supposed to do, to point to the one who truly was taking away the sin. That's why that passage in Hebrews, our first lesson, talks about the failure of that sacrificial system and God's solution to that problem. Hear those words again. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. You see, only Christ's sacrifice of himself was enough. Enough to give and to result in freedom for us, for all people. Freedom from sin and freedom from death and freedom to enjoy and celebrate what God has given us in Jesus Christ. You know, this weekend we ponder freedom once again. Our nation remembers that and remembers the sacrifices that have been made for our freedoms. As I said in the announcement, today is the 100th anniversary of Armistice Day. Originally, that came together after World War I, what was called the War to End All Wars. A war that no one could imagine would ever happen again on that kind of scale that the peoples of the earth would never want to see again that kind of destruction. So on the 11th day of the 11th month, at the 11th hours, the fighting stopped 
the arms were laid down, and an armistice began. And then in the 1930s, that day was renamed as Veterans Day to honor all who fight to preserve the freedom that we have. You know, our freedom in our nation is not a concrete thing. Remember in the words of Abraham Lincoln that our nation is based on a proposition that all men are created equal. That is the proposition that holds us together for we are not united by race or ethnicity, culture or religion. We are not like one of the European countries that our forefathers came from that had that commonality. We are gathered and held together by an ideal, a proposition of freedom. And here's the things with ideals. Ideals need to be preserved and ideals need to be taught and ideals need to be handed down. And ideals need to be lived out and realized through action. And through those things, the proposition then is proved. But if we don't do those things, then the proposition fails. And then too, our usefulness as a nation is in question. Freedom and sacrifice go hand in hand. You know, there are many stories in the history of our nation throughout its existence. Stories of sacrifices that have been made for that freedom. Sacrifices made to preserve it or sacrifices made to advance that proposition. But closer to our day and age, closer in fact in the last year, is a sacrifice that was made by somebody who was in the political arena. But that's not what we want to look at. We want to look at that man's service before all that. It was Senator John McCain. And how as a prisoner of war, he made sacrifices in order to put that freedom forward. He had been shot down. He was held captive for many years. He was tortured, beaten, starved, whatever you can imagine. The worst that it could be, it happened to him. Time and time and again, his captors tried to get him to speak propaganda against his nation, against the military, to do whatever he wants. And again and again, he refused. He was left to die from his wounds. And when finally the time came that his captors thought, well, we will offer him freedom, surely he will take that to be free and then he will give us what we want. He refused to give them anti-war propaganda. He refused to the point that he said to them, there are others here in this camp who have been here longer, who are in greater need, that need to be freed and released before I am. He chose to make a sacrifice for others, for that ideal of freedom, that others might go free instead of himself. It is something that we honor in our military when again and again they make those sacrifices. But you know, in sacrifice, there is an element of trust. What do I mean? McCain didn't know if he'd ever live to see his own freedom when he was a prisoner of war. And yet he was willing to sacrifice himself so that others might be free. So too, that widow in our story, 
who gave all that she had wouldn't know if that sacrifice that she made would ever make a difference. And yet she trusted that God would care for her. So what about us? Do we trust that our sacrifices, the things that we give up on, will make a difference, will be something that will affect a life? You know, professor of Christian ministry and former dean of chapel at Duke University, Reverend William Henry Willimon, says the following statement on the screens about sacrifice. He says this, Sacrifice is not something that we wish to do, not some means to an end. Rather, it is an obligation laid upon us by our connection to Christ. We sacrifice because we have learned that this is the way now that God has entered the world in the person of Jesus Christ. We do not sacrifice in order to rid ourselves of guilt, since we know we are guilty and we cannot remove that guilt through our puny actions. Rather, we sacrifice because in sacrifice we most imitate the extravagant God who has sacrificed for us in Christ Jesus. I love that word, imitate. We imitate the actions of Jesus Christ. You know, as I said before, there's an element of trust in sacrifice, and Jesus himself trusted his Father that his sacrifice would accomplish what it was supposed to do. It was not a proposition that needed to be proved. It was laid out in the Scriptures what Messiah must do, that by his sacrifice, all people would be made free. And so as we pause as a nation to honor and to remember sacrifices that prove out the proposition of freedom. We also remember that we are citizens by our baptism of another country, of a heavenly one. And we are called to bear witness to the author of that freedom, the one who freely gives to all people. For we are those who have freedom from sin, forgiven, freedom of eternal life, freedom of hope, freedom of acceptance, and freedom to make our own sacrifices as imitations of the one who sacrificed for us. That we too can care for those who are in need and love the unlovable and bring to true peace in Christ into our world. For that is the sacrifice that was made for us by our Savior Jesus Christ called to be imitators of him, called to make those sacrifices willingly because we understand fully what has been done for us. What an incredible gift that is. The cost that was made that we might be people who are freed and truly know that freedom, that it is something that is concrete for us and assured and that we might be useful to our Savior in all ways, living out our lives as his people called by his name, bearing witness to the world. So we honor this weekend those who made sacrifice for our nation, and we honor always the one who has made sacrifice for us, our Lord Jesus Christ, 
redeemed by his blood and freed by his gift to us. We pray. Jesus, we thank you for that freedom that you won for us at such a price. May we ever be people who honor that freedom in our lives, who willingly sacrifice in our lives as you have sacrificed for us, knowing that we imitate only the good gift that you have given us. May we see the need. May we be useful in your kingdom. May we never close our eyes or our ears to the cry of those who need your hope, your life, and your peace. We thank you for these gifts, and we praise your name always. Amen.